Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. So Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, is where we're going to begin today. And we're concluding a series that we began several weeks ago that we've spent the whole month of February in. And that series has been titled, A Transformation of Life. It's our 2020 vision series that we've been dealing with, and I'm excited about it. Let's read our verse for today, and then we'll do a moment of review. Proverbs 13, verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. I'll make some comments on that verse here in just a moment. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is laid up or stored up for the righteous. Today we're going to conclude the series that we've been talking about titled The Transformation of Life. Uh, As I mentioned at the end of January, the phrase A Transformation of Life is the phrase that I received from the Holy Spirit last year. Uh, that to, to be our vision phrase for this year. It's the vision of High Country Christian Church for this year. And we said that that vision, how does it play into our church? Well, it shows up in four distinct components. Number one is know Jesus. Number two is get connected. Number three is discover your purpose. And then number four is make an impact. Know Jesus, get connected, discover your purpose, and make an impact. Now, each one of these four phrases or statements are connected to four different areas within the ministry of High Country Christian Church. And those who have heard this, this is a bit of review for you, but for the person who may be here for the first time of this series, this is a little bit new, so I don't want to skip over it. When we talk about knowing Jesus, we're talking about our Sunday services. Sunday service is a time not only where we as Christians get to exalt and worship together, but when new people who are far from Jesus get a chance to get introduced to him. So we said that Sunday services in 2020 are taking an evangelistic thrust, that we're bringing our friends and our coworkers and our neighbors and people who don't know Jesus, we're bringing them to church so that they can get to know him. Amen? Can I have a good amen on that? So know Jesus. Don't come to church alone. Number two is get connected, and that connects to our small groups. We say don't do life alone. Get connected in a small group. The third is discover your purpose. We talked about that last week. That's connected to our Next Steps program. And then finally, make an impact, which connects to our legacy teams, our volunteer teams, which we call legacy teams here at High Country Christian. And we're going to talk about those today. We're going to talk today, as we close the series, about making an impact. Now, why Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22? Why is that so important? Let me read it to you one more time. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. We have quoted in our circles... In our charismatic churches, in our word of faith circles, we've quoted 
The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Praise God, brother. Mark Cuban is making piles of money so that God can give it to me. Amen. We think that just because we shout money cometh at the top of our lungs enough times that, that all the money in the world is going to get added to us. And we, we miss the whole first half of that verse, which is the context for that verse, which is ultimately far more important. A good man, like the King James says, a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. In other words... A wise person lives for a generation beyond themselves. Every generation is a product of the previous generation's victories, losses, and apathies. Think about that for a moment. Every generation is a product of the previous generation's victories, Losses and apathies. Whether we like it or not, we are leaving something to our children and to the generations that follow us. The question is, what are we going to leave behind? You see, the fourth point of our vision is titled, Make an Impact. And the reason it is, is because we want to understand, we want to embrace as a church culture and as a church vision, the notion that we're not just here to live for ourselves, but we're here to live for something beyond ourselves. We want to make an impact that can't be erased by time. Amen. How many of you have been to Kmart? How many of you have been to Kmart recently? No. Nobody. Their impact hasn't lasted. They're not around anymore. You see, every, every, every time I've studied church history, I've seen so many awesome and amazing things that have happened throughout the ages. And more often than not, I'm able to look at them and find out where they started and where they stopped. And the start gets me excited, but the stop makes me perturbed. I mean, if God is God and he's powerful like we say that he is, should revival ever stop? Should revival ever tucker out? Should things that God wants to do in a generation stop with that generation? I don't believe they should. Amen. You see, a wise man, what does he do? He leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A wise person is a person who thinks at least three generations deep. I'm not building a name and a life for myself. I'm building for Claire's unborn children. Amen? I want what we do to outlast us, and not just outlast us, but outlast her too. Do you know why God chose Abraham to be his, the father of faith, the children of Israel. Do you know why he chose Abraham? Because the Bible says God knew Abraham would teach his kids. Whatever it was that God would teach Abraham, he knew Abraham was the kind of guy that was going to store that up for his children. A good man, a wise man, leaves an inheritance for his children's children. There's a reason that we've chosen to call our serving and volunteer teams legacy teams. And it's because we believe that by serving, we're making an impact in the generations who are to come. 
We're leaving a legacy of faith, wisdom, discipleship, character, and revival in the people who are coming behind us. I'm going to do my best to make a scriptural argument for you today that proves that you need to serve in the local church because people's lives are at stake, not just yours. It's not just you. It's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about everybody out there that doesn't know Jesus yet. It's about our coworkers and our family members and our neighbors and the people that are around us that God has called us to reach and make an impact in their lives. And we're called to do that by serving. When we come to church on Sunday, we're doing so much more than just having a service. We're living and building for a generation that we won't see. I want you to think about that for just a second. Let it kind of, you know, like a Selah moment. Selah. When we come to church on Sunday, we're not just doing another service. Listen, if this is just another service, let's pack it in and go play golf. This ain't easy. Right? This ain't easy. I mean, let's, let's go to Bose and Lenore and, do, you know, bowl, go bowling and skee-ball and all of that. If this is just another social club, I got other things to do, y'all. But if this is changing eternity for somebody, then it's the most important thing on my calendar. Amen? If this is shifting somebody's life that's going to impact them not just in the here and now, but they're forever. How many of you figured out eternity is a long time? Amen? We're living and we're building for a generation we won't see, and that to me is incredibly valuable. I like what T.D. Jake said. He says, somebody else paid the tuition for us to be where we are right now. Somebody else paid the tuition for us to be where we are right now. We're the product of the reality of somebody else's sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I'm not too prideful to say that my life isn't the way that it is because I made all the right decisions. My life is what it is because I have a mommy and a daddy that love me enough to pray for me and raise me in the church. My life is what it is because I had Bible school professors who got in my face and taught me the word. My life is what it is because I had a youth pastor who took me out for ice cream to tell me that the girl I was dating was wrong for me and got me in line. Amen. Come on, y'all. Y'all awake this morning. Pinch your neighbor. Do something. My God. I'm the product of people who paid the price for me. That's what it means to make an impact. And here's the deal. We can honor the generations who've come before us by blessing the generations who are coming after us. I can be an honor to my youth pastor so many years ago who spoke into my life every single week. I can honor his labor by laboring for my children and for my children's children. Amen? I can honor yesterday's generation by pouring into tomorrow's generation. I want you to know that when you're standing at the door greeting, when you're rocking one of those babies to sleep downstairs, when you're making coffee, when you're setting up signs, you're not just checking a box off of what needs to be done on the list of things for our service. You are impacting lives for eternity. What, I mean, listen, 
What about, what about the guy who is going to drive on his way to kill himself, but happened to see a church sign out in the front and decided, I might just turn into that parking lot and see what that's all about. What about, what about the mom who's coming in, who's, who's, who's just, you know, her hair's a mess, her, her, her makeup is running, she's frustrated, she's got these five kids hanging off of her, and, and all she wants is a few minutes of separation from her kids so that she can get a word of encouragement. You think you're just holding a baby? You think you're just rocking a kid to sleep? Are we just giving some crackers to some kids to keep them shut up for 30 minutes? No. We're impacting eternity. We're changing, we're shifting the life of a human being that needs Jesus. I need you to see what your service does this morning. It's so much more than checking off a list off of a to-do list, guys. If you're making notes, I want you to write this phrase down. The Holy Spirit said this to me so strongly. Only eternity will be long enough to measure the impact of our service in God's kingdom. Only eternity will be long enough to measure what we're doing here. It's not about the church needing our service. It's about us needing to serve. Amen. Y'all with me this morning? <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it light and happy for you, okay? I know I'm getting tense. It's just who I am. can't help it. It's not about the church needing your service. And I, and I say that intentionally because a lot of times we think that that's what it is. We think, oh, the church just needs us to do something. It's not about that. It's about the fact that we were hardwired by God to need to serve. Not as many amens on that one, and then we'll just keep moving. Listen, as a human being, you'll never be satisfied until you learn how to serve. <laughs> you'll never be satisfied as a person until you learn how to serve, how to pour out. Y'all remember the three bodies of water in the nation of Israel that keep coming up in the Bible over and over and over again? You got the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias in the Scripture. You have the Jordan River. That comes up all over the place in the Old and New Testaments. And then you have the Dead Sea. Some of you know where I'm going with this already. The Dead Sea is at the end of the, of the chain, if you will. The water starts in the Sea of Galilee, which is where Jesus performed all of his miracles. It's where Peter and James and John had their fishing business, where they used to you know, uh, catch fish all the time. Peter had his boat parked up there at the Sea of Galilee. And then that water, when it leaves the Sea of Galilee full of life, it enters into the River Jordan, and the Jordan River flows, and it's full of life. And, and then the water empties out of the Jordan River into the Dead Sea, which, if you've ever been to Israel or know about it, is so salty and is so disgusting that nothing can live in it. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. In fact, the salt concentration of the Sea of Galilee is so dense that you can actually just float on top of the water sitting on salt. It's wild. Nothing lives in it. There's no life in it. Do you know why there's no life in it? Because there's no outlet. It only ever receives and it never pours out. There's nowhere for the water to go, so naturally that living, exciting, full-of-life water that doesn't have a place for it to go pulls up in the Dead Sea and it dies. 
So many times our lives are like that. That we're only ever on the receiving end of what God wants to do and we don't ever pour out. So everything God pours into us, if it's not poured out of us, will eventually die. Man, I didn't come to make friends this morning. I do love you. I really do. I sincerely love you. But this is a challenging, challenging word for me. We were called, and excuse me, we were created by God to serve God and to serve one another. My director of Bible college, when I was in Bible college, used to say to me, you should always be discipling someone and you should always be being discipled by someone. You should always have somebody speaking into your life and you should always be speaking into somebody else's life. He set that as a, as a standard, as a goal for us to achieve. We were created to serve. Now, have you ever heard this phrase? Let me, let me keep moving here for a second. Have you ever heard this phrase? Pastor, we're not called to be servants. We're called to be sons. I'm no servant. I'm a son of God. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah? And, and, and listen, I can make the scriptural argument that we're sons. I can make the scriptural argument that we're servants. But let me tell you, there's oftentimes a danger that comes from us embracing one reality or one revelation at the expense of another revelation. See, I want you to embrace your sonship, your royal standing with God. You're in the family of God. You are a son of the living God. You have a, your father's DNA is flowing through your body, right? I want you to understand who God's made you to be, that you're in his family. But I don't want you to understand that at the expense of being willing to serve. Well, pastor, I'm just a son. I'm not a servant. <laughs> Actually, we're sons who get to be servants. Amen. We're sons who get to be servants. I'm going to make three statements, and I want you to write them down. Number one, a servant serves out of obligation. A son serves out of appreciation. A servant serves out of obligation. A son serves out of appreciation. Number two, a servant serves to avoid his master's anger. A son serves to perpetuate his father's generosity. Glory to God. A servant serves to avoid his master's anger. A son serves to perpetuate his father's generosity. And then number three, a servant serves a family he's not a part of. A son serves because he's a part of the family. Come on. <laughs> a servant serves a family he's not a part of. He's from the outside looking in. A son serves because he's a part of the family. I, I, I'm a son of God, therefore I get the opportunity to serve my brother and serve my sister. Jesus said in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. 
So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Everybody say, among us, it will be different. Hallelujah. That's a, that's a prophetic declaration for High Country Christian Church. Among us, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everybody else. Harsh words, Jesus. Verse 45, for even the son, watch this, even the son of man, he's speaking of himself now. Even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to understand the position that Jesus himself took. This is the word of God, the infinite, eternal word of God made flesh. The Bible says over and over in so many different places, things like he laid aside his deity. He laid aside his royal right to be God for all of eternity. And he came instead in the likeness of a man. Listen, Jesus, this is, the, this is the word made flesh. This is God in the flesh. This is, you know, John chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and everything that was made was made through him, and nothing that is made was made without him. He became flesh and dwelt among us. The very essence of who God is came in the form of the likeness of man and washed his disciples' feet and laid his life down as a ransom for you. He says even the Son of Man didn't come to be served. I mean, if there was anybody in the history of the universe that was deserving of being served, it had to be Jesus. If there was anybody who, could, who had the legitimate right to tell everybody around him, get in a line and serve me, right? I mean, if there was anybody who had the right to lay back on a pillow and have somebody dropping grapes in his mouth and fanning him, it was Jesus. But he said, that's not why I came. I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to be pampered. I came to be the servant of everybody. When his disciples are asking and squabbling among themselves, trying to figure out who's the greatest. Lord, I want to be great in your kingdom. Jesus said, you want to be great in my kingdom? Be everybody's servant. Be the one who's always holding the door open for everybody. The one, even the one who deserves to be served the most is the one who served. I can't get over that, guys. That gets in my craw. You know what I mean when I say that? I'm saying that right, right? It gets in my craw, yeah. That gets, that gets working on me. The one who breathed the stars. The one whose voice it was that said, let there be light. That one came and got on his knees and washed Judas's feet. 
didn't just wash John's feet and Peter's feet. He washed the feet of the one who would betray him. Wow. So why do we serve? Why do we serve? We serve because we love. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That means that the Greek word, it's not in my notes and I don't want to take a bunch of time to go there, but the word, the word in the Greek when it, where it says shed abroad, it means that it fills entirely. So every, when you get saved, every nook and cranny of your heart gets filled up and packed up with the love of God. Amen. Every ounce of your spirit, man, gets filled up with God. And God is love. Why do we serve? We serve because we love. And I want to, I uh, in, in winding things down over the next few minutes, I want to highlight three things. Three things that we love. Why do we serve? We serve because we love. Number one, we serve because we love God. Amen. We serve because we love God. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. This is amazing. Paul says, this is how he starts so many of his letters. This is the beginning of the book of Romans. It says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Isn't it amazing that Paul doesn't start with his calling? That's deep. (laughs) Isn't it interesting that Paul doesn't start with his, he doesn't start with his ministry credentials. He starts with the fact that he's a bondservant. What is a bondservant, Pastor Josh? A bondservant is a person who is a servant by choice. In the old times, in the days that the Bible was written in, there were servants who were servants by choice and servants who were servants by ownership. Back in the day, it was so common for households to have servants. And oftentimes, this was not slavery in the terms that we think of it and we understand it to be, which is a heinous, heinous thing. Back then, it was more like a family would see a person who was homeless and destitute, and they would say, come and live with us, and you can be our servant and serve us. And oftentimes, they were rescuing somebody out of a terrible lifestyle. That was a servant by ownership. Then there was a servant who, once they had served their time, oftentimes servants would, would, would serve families because of uh, criminal charges because they got caught doing something and it was their, you know, it was their way of paying back to society to be a servant. And so they would serve for X number of years. They would serve for a term. And then once they were free, they were free to go. Well, a bond servant was a unique person. This was a person who served and did their time and decided to stay with the family because they built a bond, because they loved each other. Because there was a relationship that had happened. And Paul's using that language to describe his connection to Jesus. Are you following me this morning? Paul, a bondservant of Jesus. Paul, somebody who serves because he wants to. And I find it so amazing and interesting that he starts the letter with that, not with the credentials of his apostleship. 
He didn't say, Paul, the biggest, baddest, best apostle there ever was who happens to serve Jesus. I love Paul because he's so unarrogant. He makes a big deal of Jesus and a little deal of himself. Why do we, why do we serve We serve because we love, number one, because we love God. We're bond servants. I'm in love with Jesus. That's why I'm preaching here this morning. Amen. Because I love Jesus. Number two, we serve because we love one another and we love our church. Amen. We love one another. Do you love each other? Yeah. (laughs) You love your neighbor. That that is the golden rule, isn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Sometimes when my kids start to argue, I just want to stop them and say, hey, do you all even love each other right now? I saw this week a picture, and I forget forget who it was, but it was two kids crammed into like an XL T-shirt and it was like their timeout shirt. They were, and they were fighting. They both had to get crammed into this T-shirt so they couldn't get away from each other until they made up. Sometimes I want to have those handy at the end of church service, just shove some people into the corner and say, all right, put this shirt on and don't stop until y'all love each other again. <laughs> Why do we serve? Because we love each other and because we love our church. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. This is awesome. For you, brethren, this is Paul again, same guy. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. You've been called to freedom. You've been given free will by God. Only don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but instead, what? But through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. I'm telling you, If we will embrace this concept, if we will get a hold of this reality of loving one another, it'll change our lives. Thirdly, we love the lost. Number one, we serve because we love God. Number two, we serve because we love one another and we love our church. Actually, before I go to number three, let me me say this. We love one another and we love our church. I love this church. Amen. Thank you, my my lovely wife, for giving me a good amen on that. That makes two of us in here. We love our church. Yes, praise God. We love our church. We love what God is doing here. And it causes us, our love for one another and our love for what God is doing here causes us to value what God is doing here. Amen. Until we value the things of God, we'll find all the other things in our life, you know, become priority to us. Amen. So we love God, we love one another in our church, and then finally, we love the lost. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 in the Message Bible. This is amazing to me. 19 through 23. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. Again, this is Paul writing, same guy. I have voluntarily become a servant to any 
and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Stop and just look at that for a second. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. It's not just about us. There's a hurting, dying, going to hell world out there that needs to know the love of Jesus. It's not just about us, guys. It's about the world. It's about the people of our community. It's about Watauga County. It's about all those unchurched people who maybe grew up in church but were never actually given a chance to meet Jesus. It's for those people out there who have a thought and an idea, a a, a twisted and perverted idea of what a relationship with God should look like. It's about the people who don't know the reality of life in Christ. That's why Paul says, I voluntarily became a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Watch this. Religious people, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I don't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Wow. (laughs) I want to know how many times my best intentions fell short because I just only talked about it instead of being in on it. I want to know how many times, Lord, how many, how many times did I go the way of the Pharisees and just talked about it but didn't live it? How many times did I say I believe in healing only to let five sick people walk past me in a restaurant without doing something about it? I don't just want to talk about it. I want to get in on it. Amen? There's a big, wide world of hurting people that need the one and only answer to their life, which is Jesus Christ. And you and I have been given an opportunity to take part in that reality. You and I have been given an opportunity to make an impact. It's fitting for us to talk about vision and to close this series of vision by talking about serving and making an impact. Uh, Who are we doing this for? We're not doing it just for ourselves. We're building something for a generation we're never going to see. We're creating a legacy of people around us that are going to carry this thing into the future. If Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, we better be building something that's going to be longer and greater than our lifetime. My friend, Pastor Wes Berry and I, he's, a, he's another pastor here in town. You may know him, you may not know him, but he's a good friend and he's a trusted friend. We have a saying that we say to each other when we talk about pastoral ministry. We get together and have coffee every Tuesday. And we say, brother, how you doing this week? Man, I'm doing good. I'm outlasting the weirdos. <laughs> That's what we say to each other. We say, I'm outlast the weirdos. 
There's people all over, our, all over the world and all over our county who have all these different weird ideas about God. And we know the truth of who Jesus is. And you know what? We're just committed to outlast the weirdos. Amen. Y'all don't think that's funny? or is it, It's pretty funny. We're going to plant our feet on the ground and commit ourselves to making an impact beyond our lifetime. Amen. Let's not just talk about how much we love God. Let's demonstrate it. This is our vision. What we've been talking about for the last four weeks, this is our vision. I know that some of it, for some of us, is a little new. Some of us have been a part of this church since the early days of this church. We've been here since day one. A couple of you have been here since day one. I said at the beginning of this, our vision hadn't really changed. We've just found better ways to say it. And we found better ways to act it out. But I'm going to tell you something. Whether this feels new to you or not, this is our vision. If you call High Country Christian Church your home, this is our vision. We want people to know Jesus we want people to get connected. Amen. We want people to discover their purpose in God. And we want to make an impact. This is our vision. We need to take it seriously. And I'm going, I want, as your pastor this morning, I want to give you a call to action. I spend a, I've spent the last two decades in graphic design and in advertising and and when you're in advertising and marketing, there's a, a statement, a phrase that everybody uses, which is a call to action. Every good website's got a call to action. You're getting people, giving them their next step of what you want them to do. I want to give you a call to action this morning. Let's get serious about the lost knowing Jesus. Amen. Don't come to church alone. Don't come to church alone. Find somebody that needs to be here. Start talking to people. Start engaging with your community that's around you. Listen, you can touch lives that I'll never touch. You can, you, you're, you're interacting with people I may never get a chance to meet. Become a soul winner. Become a person who takes seriously the lost knowing Jesus. And don't come alone. Number two, get serious about getting connected. Get involved in a small group and don't try to do life alone. We're better off together. Amen? We're better off together. Don't try to do life alone. Number three, get serious about your calling and your purpose. Find out what God's called you to do in this world and get busy on it. Amen? My, my, my dear friend Joey Roberts, he used to travel with a man named Joe Morris. And Joe Morris has got a, a T-shirt that he sells at his CD table that says, Jesus is coming. Everybody look busy. <laughs> if you know anything about Joe Morris, he teaches, he teaches a lot about the coming of Christ, the second coming of the Lord. and He's a man full of wisdom. He's a great man. But he's got a, he's got a T-shirt that says, Jesus is coming. Everybody look busy. 
Find out what you're called to do. Get serious about your calling and jump in. Feet first. And then finally, get serious about serving. Join a legacy team and let's serve the next generation together. Let's make a difference. Let's make an impact in the lives of people. Ask yourself, what are you going to be known for? What are you going to be remembered for? A lot of people think that it's, that it's weird to live with the anticipation of you being gone. People think that's like morbid. Like, I don't want to think about, you know, dying and not being here. I don't want to think about my life after it's over. But the Bible says that's what wise people do. They think about a generation beyond themselves. Did you know that the Bible says God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? God himself thinks three generations deep. We ought to do the same. What's going to be our legacy? What's it going to say? What are people going to say after we're gone? Let's make an impact, guys. Let's get serious about our vision. Start winning people for Jesus. You can stand up to your feet if you would. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.